Uh, we're in a series called Happy. If you're new with us today, uh, we're in a five-week study through the book of Philippians. You're jumping in with us on week number four. So we're in week four, and we are actually in chapter four. So we've covered chapter one through three. And we're going to spend two weeks on chapter four in the book of Philippians. There are two famous verses in, the, in chapter four uh, that we want to just make sure that we're able to touch on because I believe it will have a great impact on your life. Uh, and so we're going to dive in today on chapter 4 in Philippians. And I want to I speak from this thought today. I can't get no satisfaction. There was a song called that. As you know, I will not sing to you because you've heard me sing before, all right? So, but I can't get no satisfaction. I want us to look at that today. Let's begin in Philippians chapter 4. Let's pick up reading in verse number 4. Paul writes this to the church at Philippi, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. As I've been teaching you throughout this series, in the book of Philippians, Paul doesn't actually focus on happy. He focuses on something that is more powerful, that is more lasting. He focuses on joy because happiness comes and goes based upon our circumstances. But we've learned throughout this series that joy comes from the Lord. And so, so Paul focuses on joy, kind of the theme of the book, joy or rejoice. Verse, chapter five, verse 5 says this, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to zoom in on verse number six. On those first several words, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. And the reality is there are a lot of people who are anxious in our world today. Today, there are some of you that are dealing with high levels of anxiety. You're anxious. You're having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. You're, you're anxious. And here's what you have to understand. Anxiety is a joy sucker. If you want to walk around without the joy of the Lord, man, just live a life full of anxiety. And, and one of the biggest catalysts to anxiety that, that brings about anxiety is worrying about what we do not have. And when you're just always worrying about what you don't have, you can find yourself just being anxious all the time. You know, one of my, my children was having a, a birthday and and one of the things I really appreciate about my wife is she does birthdays and holidays big and it's kind of a family tradition and just to celebrate big and makes, makes all of us feel special, makes my children, our children feel special. And, and so one of the things my wife does is when we get up first thing in the morning on, on their birthday, she, she has the, the, the dining room table decorated and a, a big handwritten note to the children, a big sign that says happy birthday. And she makes them a, a, a birthday breakfast. And how many know birthday breakfasts for children are awesome? You know what I mean? Chocolate chip pancakes and cinnamon rolls and donuts. Not so it's good breakfast food in the morning and kids are all excited and then usually sometime that day we usually have a, a time that we just celebrate the children as a family and they open gifts and, and on this particular birthday one of my children was having a birthday and they, 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 they walked in to, to open their presents and my child says this, is this all the presents I have? Hello? 
I could not believe that my child echoed those words. I, I'll, hey, your, my, my, your mom and I, I will take all your presents. Everything you got is ours. You know what I'm saying? I just couldn't believe my child was saying, is this all the presents I have? They, my child was obviously dissatisfied uh, with the presents. And uh, that can be cute when you're a child, although I did talk to my child after those comments. But it's another whole dilemma when you're an adult and you're just never satisfied. And, and a lot of people just live life never satisfied. They're, they're not satisfied with what they have. You, you know how it is. You maybe pull up at work and, and then one of your coworkers drives up in a new car and all of a sudden, you're dissatisfied with your car. You know what I mean? You think, man, I need to get me another car. You know, you, you go to maybe one of your friend's home, and, and they have an 80-inch flat-screen HD. You've never seen TV like this. I mean, it's the clearest picture. And you become dissatisfied with your 23-inch with bunny ears. You know, bunny rabbit ears. How many, come on, how many remember that? Come on, don't, 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 don't try to play me. You know, with bunny rabbit ears, try to get the channel. You're dissatisfied. Uh, some of you are living in a home, an apartment, duplex bigger than what you grew up in. I mean, you have more space than what you grew up in, and, and yet you, you, you say to yourself, I need more room. <laughs> I don't have enough space. I need somewhere else to live. Or, or here's, my, here's my favorite. Come on, we've all been here. When, when you walk in the closet and you look at 10, 20, 30 outfits, and then somehow you utter these words, I don't have anything to wear. Oh, you, you've done that too, huh? Come on, some of you did it this morning. Huh? You went and get ready for church. You was like, 22 pairs of shoes. I don't have anything to wear. And we're just dissatisfied. We get dissatisfied with people. You know, we start looking and say, you know what? I wish my spouse was as nice as, as that spouse. I wish they were as nice. I wish, I wish my children were like the little angel children that the neighbors have. You know, I just wish I had some real friends. I don't have any real, fr real friends. I need some real friends. And, and we, we get dissatisfied. We, we even get dis so dissatisfied, we're dissatisfied with ourselves. And so we're just always trying to get new and improved. And there's nothing wrong with new and improved, but there is a problem when you're just dissatisfied. And because you're dissatisfied with yourself, you, you know, you're always trying to change yourself, changing your hair, changing your hair colors, getting eyelashes, getting new body parts. Come on, somebody. You know, and, and get, you know men trying to grow hair. I, if I didn't have any, I might try to grow some too, but the Lord still blessed me in my 40s and still got hair. Praise the Lord. But, but we're just dissatisfied. And that, that's the issue. It's just people just get dissatisfied. It reminds me of an old poem that says, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what is not. I can't get no. It will suck the joy right out of your life. And so one of the, the main reasons that Paul maintained the joy of the Lord was Paul was a satisfied person. He was content right where he was. He, he wrote these words, do not be anxious about anything. And then he goes on to write these words in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have, con you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. That, that's the key word today. Come on, all of our locations, everybody say secret. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. Let, let me give you a definition of content. Here it goes. Satisfied with what one is or has, not wanting more or anything else. That's a struggle for, for many of us. But most people never learn to be content. They aren't rejoicing in the Lord. They're complaining in the Lord. They're dissatisfied in the Lord. They're discontent in the Lord. And here's what Paul knew. Here's what Paul's driving on. Paul knew that the only way that we can truly maintain the joy of, I'm not talking about happiness that comes and goes, but the only way we can maintain the joy of the Lord is to learn to be content no matter the circumstances. And, and, and here's, here's the question that we must answer today is how do we do this? How do we be content no matter the circumstances? It's, it's not easy, but here's what I want you to know. It's possible. And Paul teaches us five secrets to contentment. Let's look at that together. Five secrets to contentment. Number one is this. God must be our source. God must be our source. Paul was content because he had a deep conviction that God was his source. Let's look at this in Philippians chapter 4. Back in verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So, so the context in this, this scripture was written was, was some years had passed since the apostle Paul had received an offering from the church at Philippi. We're not exactly sure why, but for some reason they had not recently supported his ministry. And, I, and Paul's response gives us in just one of the secrets to contentment. I want you to notice that Paul did not have an attitude with the church. He didn't say, you all let me down. You didn't come through for me. I, I was depending on you and you didn't send me anything in my time of need. That, that wasn't Paul's response. Actually, Paul said this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have renewed your concern for me. You see, Paul's trust was in God. He had a deep conviction that God was his source, not the church at Philippi, not some other church, not people, not a job. He knew that God was his source. God alone was who he was dependent on. And, and Paul went on to write this in chapter 4, Philippians 4 and verse 19. He says, and my God, notice those two words, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That verse is one of the famous verses in the Bible. Next week, we're going to kind of look at that because a lot of people are trying to get God to supply their needs and they go, how can that happen? We'll talk about that next week. But, but listen, if you're going to live a life of contentment, you must be confident 
that God is your source. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, that God alone is your source. God is your everything. You're dependent on God. Not, not a job or not a boss, not a family member, not, not friends, but God, I realize you're my source. I can be content because I look to you as my provider. I look to you and you alone as my source. You really do have to have a deep conviction. It has to be a deep conviction that God is my source and he will supply all of my needs. Come on, everybody say needs. That leads me to point number two. Point number two, the second secret to contentment is we must recognize the difference between wants and needs. Paul understood the difference between wants and needs. Notice in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, I'm in need. Paul, what do you mean you're not in need? You've been in prison for four years. You're writing this letter from prison. You're chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. You're actually on death row and you never even have committed a crime. What do you mean you're not in need? You see, a lot of people around here, Paul, think you're in need, in desperate need. And yet Paul says, I'm not in need. I'm content. See, Paul understood something that is so difficult for most of us to grasp. And that's the difference between wants and needs. People's church, we will not maintain the joy of the Lord if we confuse our wants with our needs. And it's real, really easy to do that because our society has redefined needs. It used to be that our wants exceeded our needs. And now we live in a culture that our needs exceed our wants. You see, for the most part, advertisement doesn't appeal to us based on what we want. That they don't say, well, you ought to just give this a try. You, you ought to just check this out. Oh, no, no, it's not based on, on your want. Advertisers appeal to us for the most part based on need. You have to have this. You got to try. You better, you better get this. Your life will not be the same. You better, it's $24.99. You get it today. Today. It'll change your whole life. And, and all of a sudden, there is something that you didn't even want five minutes ago, but now you need something that you didn't even want. And a lot of people live life like that. They confuse their wants with their needs. Recently, my, my family was in Target shopping, and I'm, I'm kind of one of those dads when I'm in Target, Tiffany's shopping around, and I kind of goof around with the kids, and I'm kind of obnoxious, and I'm one of those dads that would get on your nerves, you know, because I'm chasing my kids and playing games, and Tiffany's looking at me, and I'm just chasing them, and we're screaming and playing down the aisles and hiding from each other, and, and, so, and so one of my children needed to go to the restroom, and so I, I took them to the restroom, and, and when I got back from the bathroom with my child, uh, another child of ours was, was, they were in the toy aisle, and my child was holding a toy, and, and it was close to their birthday, and, and actually it was a day or so before their birthday, and they were holding this, this, the, the, the toy, and, and they have a little allowance money, so they can spend their little allowance money on a toy, and, and, and I, I said to my, my child, I said, hey, 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 your birthday is, is, is tomorrow. You, you ought to just wait for your birthday, because you don't know what you're going to get for your birthday. And my child was holding that toy, and, 
I mean, you would have just thought it was some serious looks. I was like, I need this. I mean, it was, I, I'm not exaggerating. I said, well, listen, 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 buddy. Your birthday's tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to get. Just, if I was you, I'd put the toy back. So Tiffany chimed in. Hey, hey, buddy, your, your birthday's tomorrow. You don't know what you're going to get. If I was you, I'd save your money and put the toy back. It was, it was a minute of this. My child walked in the store five minutes ago and didn't need anything, and all of a sudden walks down the toy aisle and now cannot survive without this toy. Whole minute of anguish before the toy was finally placed back on the shelf. And, and that's a lot of us, is we don't really need anything, but then all of a sudden we see something, and now something that we didn't even want, now that we see it, now we not only want it, now we need it. I got I to gotta have the car. I, I've got to have the house. I just, I, need, I, need, I, I got to have the new outfit. I just, I need, I, 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 I'm telling you, I have to eat out every day. I got to eat out. I, I cannot make coffee for myself at home. I got to go by and buy some coffee. I got to have it. I need it. And we get our, our needs and our wants confused. And let me tell you, the most miserable people on the planet are people who have everything they need. And there's still one more. It's miserable. It's joyless to have everything that you need. And still one more. Not content, dissatisfied. Paul says it like this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow. He says, don't just be godly. Godliness with contentment equals great gain. Godliness plus contentment equals maintaining joy, great gain. He goes on and he breaks it down for us in a practical way in verse 7. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Verse 8, but if we have food and clothing, in other words, if we have our basic, basic necessities met, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. That's a tough verse, tough for me, tough for you. But Paul says, you want to maintain joy? He says, if your needs are met, you got to learn to be content and recognize the difference between your needs and your wants because you're making your wants, your needs, and you find yourself pursuing everything and you're dissatisfied, you're not content, and you'll never live with joy. Number three is this. There's a, a third secret to contentment. Number three is we must learn contentment, learn contentment. Notice back in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. Paul says he learned it. In other words, contentment is, is something we have to apply ourselves to have. We have to work at it. We, we have to, it takes effort. It takes practice to become content. Contentment is not something we're born with. We're born with greed. We're born with this desire of just, just, I want more, I want more, I want more. And so we have to learn to be content. And, and here's a great way to learn contentment. We have to practice this, a great way to learn contentment. Here it goes. Here's something you have to practice, and that is saying, thank you, Jesus, regularly. Thank you, Jesus. Just, you just, you just got to learn to practice that. 
You, you got to learn it. Thank you, Jesus. Here's, here's how Paul said it in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. You remove always is still a very powerful word, verse, but it changes everything. That one word changes everything. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. I will say it again, rejoice. And if we're going to maintain the joy of the Lord, we have to practice rejoicing in the Lord always. I want us to begin to practice that today. Let's practice saying thank you, Jesus. Come on, today, today we're going to practice that together right now. I'm not eating at my favorite restaurant, but I have food in the refrigerator. Yeah, you, you're getting it. You're getting it. We got to practice this. I want a newer car but my car still drives. Oh, no, Pastor, you don't understand. My car broke down, but I'm going to get it fixed in three weeks. I would like another place to live, but I do have a roof over my head. I would like some new clothes from the mall, but I do have something to wear. I would like to make more money, but I do have a job. Some of you, 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 you didn't, uh-uh, I saw some of you right there. You're like, no, I want more money. No. Thank you. Come on. Say it with me. I want my kids to listen and obey better, but kids are a blessing from God. I would like a new husband. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I slipped that one in on you. Uh, although some of you, it's the truth. Isn't it? yeah. Come on, say it with me. You have to learn to practice right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. My needs are met. Thank you. I rejoice in the Lord always. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Number four is this. There's a fourth secret to contentment. Contentment has nothing to do with our circumstances. It's a secret. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. Notice what Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Well, that's easy for Paul to say because obviously he doesn't understand what you're going through. He doesn't understand your problems. He, he doesn't understand the trouble that you're in. He doesn't understand how bad you have it. But let me just remind you again that Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Chained to a soldier 24 hours a day. On death row because of his faith in Christ had not committed a crime. And, and Paul, in that kind of situation... He said, I have learned to be content no matter the circumstances. One of the secrets to contentment is you have to get rid of the when and then mentality. The when and then mentality. It works like this. When this, fill in the blank. You go ahead and fill it in. When this happens, then I'll be content. And that's how a lot of people live life. And so contentment is an illusion. They, they can't ever get, they're just chasing it all the time because they live with a win and then mentality. When this happens, then I'll be happy. But Paul did not have a win and then mentality. That was not his mindset. He didn't say, well, when I get out of prison, then I'll be content. He didn't say, when I get to hug my family again or see my friends again, then I'll be content. Paul said, no, 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 no. Right in the midst of these difficult circumstances, I'm content. And he actually goes on to say something very powerful in the next verse, verse 12 in Philippians 4. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul said, I've learned to be content with little. I've learned to be content with much. I've learned to be content in good situations. I've learned to be content in bad situations. I've learned the secret of being content, rejoicing in the Lord always, not having a win and then mindset. And some of you need to bury win and then. Win and then is sucking the joy right out of your life. You just live in win and then, win and then, win. I'm going, I'm going to have, I'm going to have joy. I'm going to be content. Win, 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 win and then, win and then. When I get married, then I'll be content. When I get a raise, then I'll be content. When the kids get older, then I'll be content. When I get a new job, then I'll be content. When I lose weight, then I'll get content. When, when come on, when 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 I when I, when, I, when I meet the person of my dreams, then I'll be content. When when I'm able to retire one day, then I'll be content. When I make more money, then I'll be content. When I get a nicer car, then I'll be content. And if you're not careful, you're gonna just rob yourself of the joy of the Lord because you're always living with the wind and then mentality but Paul would say to all of us right now right where you are no matter what you're facing in life rejoice in the Lord always be content. I know you're in the middle of the jail cell of life. I know you may feel chained to the Roman soldier. I know you may feel like you're on death row, but come on right where you are. Don't make contentment something off in the future. Contentment is something that you can have right now. Right now. You say, Pastor, now that's good preaching. Now, how do I live it? Because that's what you're saying is difficult. Because my situation is not good. How do I have contentment? How do I have joy? Paul, he addresses this for us. Number five is this. Contentment is maintained through Christ. It's maintained through Christ. You know, as I was studying and, and praying and preparing this message, I, I oftentimes try to get my my mind where you are. So I try to start thinking about you and, 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 and where, where people are and just everyday life. And, and here, here's what I thought of as I was studying this week. I thought, some of you are thinking right now to yourself, Pastor, thanks for the message. That was good. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, that was great. But I can't live this one. <laughs> this is too much for me. Pastor, this is not practical. How do I actually live this? You don't understand my circumstances. How do I rejoice in the Lord? How do I be content in these circumstances? This, I, it, I, this is difficult. And you're right. And Paul understood this too. And that's what drove him and motivated him to write these words, Philippians 4.13, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ, through him who gives me strength. And that's what Paul says. He says, I can do all things. Don't, don't miss this. The ultimate secret to Paul's contentment was his life was all about Christ. He wasn't drawing strength from himself. He was getting strength from Christ. Christ was his everything. He was living for Christ. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on to say in chapter 4, his life was all about Christ. There's no way somebody could be content in the circumstances that he was in, in their own strength. But here's what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, the, the, the context of this verse is so powerful. We use this verse a lot, you know, maybe when somebody's running a race, they go, I can do all things through Christ. Or throwing a football, I can do all things through Christ. Or 
But, but the context of this verse, here's what Paul was driving at. When times are difficult and you're facing adversity and you're in horrible situations and circumstances and you feel like you can't be content and you can't have joy, Paul says, here's what I know. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You've been laid off from your job and money is tight. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You got a bad doctor's report and your health is failing. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Your marriage is falling apart and you feel like you're going to lose your mind. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. A loved one just died and you're emotionally distraught. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Your house is about to get foreclosed on. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Your car just broke down. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're about to have to file bankruptcy. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're a single parent raising your children all by yourself and you feel like you're just about to lose your mind trying to do it. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You're a grandparent raising your grandkids and you're tired and you're weary. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You've been betrayed and hurt by people you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength somebody's broken your heart in a million pieces you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength you say pastor nobody could be happy and have joy in the midst of what I'm going through oh you're right if they have to rely on their own strength but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I lean on him. I'm depending on him. He's my everything. Nobody would be happy in this circumstance. Everybody would be anxious, but I'm not going to be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and by petition, I'll make my request known to God. I'm depending on God. I'm leaning on God. He's my everything. He'll see me through. It's not my strength. It's his strength. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength.